We'll turn this morning in the Word of God to the book of Isaiah, please. The book of Isaiah and to chapter 58. The prophecy of Isaiah and to chapter 58. We'll commence our reading at the opening verse of this chapter. Isaiah 58 in the verse number 1. Cry aloud, Spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labours. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul, is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the blands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy re-reward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters feel not. When are reading... At the end of verse 11, we know the Lord will bless the public reading of his word to our hearts today. Let us just bow in prayer again, and let us seek the face of God for his blessing upon us as we come to the preaching of his word today. Our God and our Father in heaven, we continue before thee in prayer this morning. We thank thee already for what our minds have considered through the reading of scripture. Lord, what our lips have sung through the hymns of praise. We thank thee for the singing of Helen as well that we are to be still, our soul. Help us to be still today and to know that thou art God. We thank thee for the testimony of Sharon that has pointed us to the sovereign grace of God in the life. And O oh Lord, now we pray as we come to the preaching of thy word. Lord, we pray for thy help and thy spirit to be given. Oh Lord, I pray for help to divide the word of truth today. And Lord, I pray for each and every one that would listen on Lord, may there be a word in season to each and every heart. Lord, come and bless us. Come and speak to us today through thy word. 
and come and refresh our souls, knowing that we are meeting with the Lord in his house today. As Lord, come and do us good now, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was in the Brazilian city of Rio in 2011 that preparations were underway for the Olympic Games that were held in that city in 2016, that a major discovery was made. Of course, it is the Brazilian city of Rio that today is classed as being as one of the most modern and the most advanced cities in all of the world with a bustling population of just under 7 million people. Yet it was in 2011 when construction was taking place for the Olympics that an old slave port and a harbour was unearthed and dug up underneath the Brazilian city. Brazil, of course, was once a major slave country. It was owned by the Portuguese Empire. And this port that the people discovered during construction reminded the people of their dark colonial past of slavery. You see, it is that city today which desires to appear as being attractive and appealing for the modern-day tourists to go and to visit. And yet in reality, what we see is a city and a, a people who are papering over the cracks, trying to hide their past of corruption and exploitation. And I use that introduction this morning because here in Isaiah 58, that is how we find the nation of Israel spiritually in the days of Isaiah. Oh, here was a nation that appeared to everyone else to be religious. Oh, here were a people who desired to show they were fasting. They were worshiping the Lord daily in their lives. And yet the fact was they were papering over the cracks. They believed they could harbor sin within their heart and still praise the Lord. And yet we read in the opening verses of Isaiah 58, that the Lord comes with a message of rebuke. He asks at the beginning of verse 5, is it such a fast that I have chosen? In other words, the way that the people were worshiping the Lord was not right. The Lord had to correct them and show them the way that he is to be worshiped and that he is to be praised. And so we see that there's words of rebuke and words of challenge. And yet what we see also in the midst of Isaiah 58 is that there are also words of encouragement and words of comfort. For from verse number 9 to verse 11, which will be our text this morning, we read that the Lord speaks about those who are faithful believers in Christ, those who are truly saved and truly following the Lord. The Lord tells us of some blessings that the people of God can receive from His hand. And so this morning, our subject that we want to consider is fruitful blessings for the faithful believer. Notice three things from verses 9 to 11 in Isaiah 58. First of all, this morning we see that there is the priority in the believer's heart. The priority in the believer's heart. Verse number 9 begins by saying, Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. And here we see immediately that verse number 9 brings us the priority that ought to be in all of our hearts as the people of God. Oh, we've mentioned that the opening verses spoke about the volley 
of those who believed they could worship the Lord, and yet inwardly in their lives they were holding on to sin. They were far from the Lord spiritually at that time. Yet here is Isaiah with the message of God saying, here's what marks out a true believer. A true believer is one that calls on the Lord. A true believer is one that cries unto God. And a true believer is one who gets a response to his prayers, for the Lord says, here I am. Oh, here's a believer in prayer. It says, thou shalt call and thou shalt cry. These two verbs in verse number nine speak about an energy Speak about a fervency in our communion with God that we are to seek His face and to cry unto Him. And it ought to be our desire today if we're saved and we are the people of God that we would have daily fellowship with Him in the place of prayer. These words show us that there's a responsibility today if we're saved. We are to call upon the name of the Lord. We are to seek His face for His help, His strength, day by day. And in doing so, when we call on the Lord, we cry on to Him, what are we doing? Well, we're confessing to the Lord, I am not able in myself. I do not have the strength in myself to get through this day, to get through this trial or this situation. Lord, I need you. I need your strength. I need your help. I need your presence. You know that verb cry in verse number nine? It literally means to call out from a moment of deep distress or deep trial. And here were believers at this time in a nation that all around them, there were those who were professing Christ with their lips, yet their lives were living nothing as it were as believers. Those who claimed to be following the Lord, and yet they weren't in their hearts. And yet there were believers who were truly saved, living in the midst of such a people. Those who were truly saved prioritized the Lord in their hearts. And we ought today to prioritize God in all things in our lives. Dear Christian, I believe the situation spiritually in this land, even in the city of Belfast today, it's not dissimilar to what we find here in Isaiah 58. Oh, we look around today, we see man. A man claims to live some moral some upright, some spiritual life. And there's so many today who profess with their lips that they're a Christian, that they're following the Lord, and yet their lives show that they're out of step with God. They're harboring sin. They believe they can go to the house of God, worship the Lord on the Lord's day, and yet the rest of the week they can live their lives as they please. That is not a true believer. That is not one that is surrendered to the Lord. Oh, we are not to follow such an example, but we are to be set apart. How? By crying and calling unto God day by day. Seeking to grow in the things of God. You know, the Bible describes those who are saved as God's peculiar people. Peculiar people. Not that we're strange or peculiar in that way, but that we're set apart. Set away from the world and set apart unto God, set apart unto holiness, set apart unto the Lord, that there ought to be a distinction in our lives as believers. And can we say that today? Can we say as we look into our lives, do, do we show a difference? 
If we're truly saved, are we, are we calling on the Lord? Are we crying to Him? Is our love what it ought to be to Him? Or do we come to the house of God today with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts for all the Lord has done for us. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 126, verse 3 could say, the Lord have done great things for us. We're off, we are glad. Are we rejoicing today in all of the goodness and God in our life? And so in realizing what we have in Christ, that ought to be the very thing that drives us more and more on to prayer. Prayers of thanksgiving for the grace of God in those times of need. Prayers of praise for salvation that we've been chosen and saved by the Lord. Notice that this believer who prioritizes God, his prayers are effectual. It says, Thou shalt call and the Lord shall answer. And I shall cry, and he shall say, Here I am. Here's the Lord's response today to the true believer's prayers. He says unto the true believer, Here I am. And time and time again in Scripture, we read of how the Lord hears the prayers of his people. Think about Jeremiah 33 and the verse 3. It says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee. And surely great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And so we can be assured today if we come on to the Lord, we seek his face fervently that the Lord will respond. He will hear our prayers. He will answer and he will say unto us, here I am. And maybe it is today that that's the words you need to hear. You need to hear the Lord coming on to you today and saying, here I am. You know, the Lord has promised he will never leave or forsake his people. No, he says, I'm right here. I'm right with you. Dear child of God, his, his presence is with you. He's never left you, nor will he ever leave you. No matter what you face in life as a believer, you can know for sure that God is there. God is going through with you. God is going before you, leading you by his sovereign hand. Well, there's a priority in the believer's heart speaking about a crying and a calling. But we see that this believer who prioritizes God also puts away sin. First Dan goes on to say, if thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger and speaking vanity. Those words yoke and vanity speak about the iniquity and sins of the people. We read there about the putting forth of the finger, which literally means a criticizing of others, a scrutinizing and a pointing the finger at other people. These are marks, these are characteristics which should not be in the life of a believer. No envy, no jealousy, no bitterness. It says that they should be taken away. If thou take away, completely remove it, completely take it out of your life. The true believer must not be dominated by sin, but must seek to put away sin and leave it off and follow the Lord. The true believer ought to put away sin, but then also ought to show love and compassion to other people practically. Where do I see that? Verse number 10, I see that. It says, And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And here we see very practical issues here about how a believer ought to live as a witness and a testimony. 
showing love and compassion, drawing out the soul. Not just being good to others out of a sense of duty, but doing it from the heart, from the soul, of a love and a compassion for those who are in need. Practically speaking, a love not just for fellow believers, but a love for the lost, a love for the unsaved. Was that not, not the example of Christ, that he had a love for those who were lost and outside of him? And so do you see that this believer, when he places God first, everything else falls into place. He prioritizes God in prayer. He leaves all sin. And then he follows the example of Christ. He shows compassion and mercy to others. There are the marks of the people of God. And so I ask today, are you acquainted with the Lord? Do you know what it is to prioritize God? Where does God rank, as it were, in your life? Is God above everything else he ought to be? When God is placed first, when we seek his kingdom first, then everything will be added onto us. And so we see, first of all, that there's the priority in the believer's heart. Moving on, we see, secondly, then, that there's the provision in the believer's life. The provision in the believer's life. Verse number 11 is full of tremendous words of encouragement and of blessings that the child of God receives from the Lord. And here we have three different blessings in verse number 11, or three different provisions that the God grants unto his people when they seek to live by him. We see, first of all, the first provision that we receive is guidance from God. Guidance from God. It says at the beginning of verse 11, and the Lord shall guide thee continually. Here's the first provision that we have if we're saved today. It's the abiding presence of the Lord in our lives. Psalm 37 contains a verse that tells us that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And here we're made aware that when we seek the Lord and follow after him, then we will be led in paths, we'll be led in ways that are righteous, and paths that God has ordained for our lives. And the entire idea here of the Lord guiding us continually shows us that God is the guide who gives us a sense of direction, but also a sense of instruction. What we are to do and where we are to go. Direction and instruction. And of course, that is the work of God, the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit is the one who enlightens our minds to truth. The Holy Spirit is the one that leads us forth in the truth and teaches us and applies the Scripture to our hearts. And so he is the one who seeks to guide us as we live day by day. And so today we can know if we're saved that the Lord leads on his people. And what a blessing it says, the Lord shall guide thee. Speaking about the Lord God, Jehovah. The one who is omniscient, the one who is omnipotent, the one who is from everlasting to everlasting, the one who knows the end from the beginning. It is that Lord, it is the Lord God Almighty who guides us, his people. This guidance is personal. It says the Lord shall guide thee. A believer in your life individually, the Lord will guide you. Whatever the Lord has in store according to his plan and purpose for your life, the Lord will guide you and be with you. It's personal. It's also perpetual. 
The Lord shall guide thee continually. At all times, moment by moment and day by day. In other words, there is never a time where the Lord is not guiding us, his people. He never leaves us off in our lives, but rather he's controlling all things and governing them all according to his plan. No matter how small the day or insignificant the circumstance might be in our life, the Lord is there and the Lord is guiding us through. There's guidance from God. There's also, secondly, in this provision, satisfaction from God. It says, and satisfy thy soul in drought. Speaking about a satisfaction in in our hearts and in our souls, because Christ is the only one who can satisfy the needs of the heart. Here in these words, it speaks about drought, drought, satisfy thy soul in drought, a time of barrenness, a time without rain. And spiritually, that was the landscape in Isaiah's day. It was a spiritually barren land in Israel. The the nation had no time for the Lord. And it seemed like there was very little happening for the people of God and for the work of the Lord in those days. And yet what we see is even in this time of spiritual drought, where it seemed like not much was happening, we still find that at that time of barrenness, the Lord still satisfied the souls and the needs of his people. The Lord's blessings never ran dry. The storehouses of heaven never ran out completely, but the Lord blessed and blessed his people. It's the same today for us in 2024. We're in a land that is spiritually dry, spiritually barren, little to no time for God and for the gospel. We see little being done for the work of the Lord. We would desire to see the Lord move. We we see churches emptying. We would love them to be filled. And it seems like little is happening, as it were, in our sight, in the things of God, in the work of God. And yet today the Lord still meets our needs. The Lord still satisfies our souls. You think about that in the life of the Israelites. As they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years, it was a time of physical barrenness in that wilderness. We see that often they complain of exhaustion, a lack of food, a lack of water. And yet the Lord met the need time and time Again, it says, he will satisfy thy soul. That word satisfy means to make whole or to make complete. The Lord blesses our lives and satisfies us to a way that we need nothing else. The Lord meets the need in its entirety so much that we can say like David in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or even as the Hebrew there is, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack anything. And with God, we lack nothing. God meets every single need in our life. In fact, we can say that our cup daily runneth over with the blessings of God. And so as the people of God, there's guidance. Yes, there's satisfaction, but there's also strength from God. That's the third provision, strength from God. It says, and make fat thy bones. And make fat thy bones. Here, the final provision in the believer's life is strength. We are assured that if we live for the Lord, we draw an eye unto him, that he will give us the strength that we need 
In the book of Hebrews, we read about how the Apostle Paul writes concerning the strong meat of the Word of God, that the believers were to mature in the things of God. They were, first of all, to feed, as it were, on the milk of the Word of God, but then their spiritual diet was to increase and mature, and they were to go on to the strong meat and grow day by day and strengthen in their lives as believers, speaking about progression, and if we're saved today, that we are still to progress and live for the Lord. No matter how long we've been saved, we can still grow and we can still mature in the knowledge of Christ and in His Word. And that must be a desire today, to grow, to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. It says, the Lord will make fat thy bones. And those words, make fat, they literally mean to arm or to equip with a weapon. And it is military language that is used here in these words. It's the image that we're given is a soldier who's preparing for war and preparing for conflict, and he's armed with a weapon, and he's ready to fight. He's ready to go to the battlefield and go and take down the enemy. And so it is in a spiritual sense that the Lord equips us. The Lord arms us and strengthens us and enables us to then go out to a hostile and ungodly world armed with the gospel and with the word of God, having on the armor of God wielding the sword of the Spirit and going to know that we labor in the strength of the Lord. The Lord spoke himself of the true vine in John 15. And he made it clear that without me, he can do nothing. And so if we're saved, no matter what we try to do in life, we need, we need the strength of God. We'll feel if we don't have it. And yet we see that that is a provision that is given to the people of God. Oh, today, believers, see that from the Lord you have guidance. Oh, see that you have satisfaction. See that you have strength in Him. How often we call unto the Lord, and how often we ought to lament that we have a weak faith. Our faith oftentimes isn't what it ought to be. I know that the Lord would search our hearts today and cause us to rededicate our lives afresh unto Him, that He would give us this provision to meet the needs in all of our lives. There's priority in the believer's heart. Secondly, we saw the provision in the believer's life. But thirdly, and finally this morning, we see the prosperity in the believer's witness. The prosperity in the believer's witness. The second half of verse 11 goes on to say, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. Here we are given a picture of a garden that is flourishing, a garden that is full of life and full of vitality. And here when the believer is likened unto a watered garden, it is a symbol of the prosperity that that believer enjoys from the hands of God. We've already spoken about how in verse 11, Isaiah has mentioned the drought. And he continues this analogy of the rain by now, speaking about a garden that is watered, one that is showered with the rains that fall from heaven. And we see that this watered garden is fruitful. And I want you to notice that little pronoun there, and thou. Thou shalt be like a watered garden. Notice that these verses are speaking about that same believer in verse number 9. 
It's that same believer who is faithful to God. It's that same believer who prioritizes the Lord. It is that believer who is like a watered garden. It's that believer who will prosper. Turn with me, if you will, very quickly to the Gospel of John, chapter 4. John, chapter 4. And we'll draw out this analogy a little further. John, chapter 4, you'll know the account well. It's Christ, and he meets the Samaritan woman at the well. We read of how the Lord speaks unto her concerning the need of the water of life. And we see this in John 4. Look at verse number 13. John 4, verse 13 and 14, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into everlasting life. The Savior makes it clear that he is the one who satisfies the soul, as we've seen, but he's also the one that makes a life fruitful in him. And so when we read about this believer being like a watered garden, it's speaking about all of the spiritual blessings that are poured in to the believer's life. He's given that water which springs up into everlasting life. He's loaded with spiritual blessings from above. And let us remember today if we're saved, if we're seeking to serve the Lord in whatever ministry we're involved in today in the church, whatever we seek to do is all because of the blessing of God. You know, the Apostle Paul could say, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And that's something we can all write in all of our lives. It's only by the grace of God that we're here. It's only by the grace of God that we're saved. It's only by the grace of God that we're called to serve. It's only by the grace of God that we can achieve anything for the Lord. And you know, a verse that is close to my heart and the verse that the Lord used to call me into ministry was John 15 and the verse 16, which says, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit. And that's a promise today for us. No matter who we are, no matter how small our role is in the work of God, that the Lord can make us a channel of blessing. The Lord can use our lives to bring forth fruit for him. It says, Thou shalt be like a watered garden, one that flourishes in the Lord. But it also goes on to say, and like a spring of water, a spring of water whose waters fail not. Of course, it is a spring of water that is accessible to other people or to other animals. You think about a spring of water, perhaps in the cattle or the flocks of sheep, they go to that spring in order to get the water that they need, in order to get that nourishment. Or you think about a well, as the one in Samaria, which we saw in John 4, the people went to that well in order to get the water that they needed. They went to the spring. And it's one that's accessible for all to come on to in order to receive and take up that water. And that shows how our lives being this spring of water, our lives can be a blessing for others to come to us. And that through our lives, we could feed other people. We can tell them of Christ. And that even through our witness for the Lord, that they can taste and see that the Lord is good. And it ought to be our desire of our lives and our witness that through what we do, that others would come and even learn of us. 
people who maybe would never walk through a church, people who would never darken the door, as it were, of this church building, yet in our workplace, yet in our neighborhood, yet amongst our family as well, even at home, that our lives can be a witness, that even if they don't pick up a Bible and read it, that they read our lives, and that they see something in us of the Lord, and that that would be the thing that would desire for them to seek out truth. It says, I shall be like a spring of water whose waters feel not, whose waters feel not, forever fruitful, never failing, but the supply is met time and time again. There's a great picture there of victory in the Lord, of continual prosperity for him. And there's even that thought there of the prospect in the believer's life to know that our witness is not in vain in the Lord, but to know ultimately that the end of the true believer is to go and to be with Christ. This world's not our home. We're passing through, and one day we're going to be with the Lord. And even in those times, our waters won't fail. The Lord won't fail us at the very last, but he will be with us for time, yes, but also for eternity. We'll be with him. And so what a picture today in these words of fruitful blessings if we would be those faithful believers. Oh, today there's the priority that ought to be in our lives. It ought to be Christ. He ought to be central. He ought to be supreme in everything that we do. And then we see that there's the provision. We have guidance, satisfaction, strength from the Lord. And finally, there's prosperity. As we seek to witness as a people, that the Lord can use us to be those channels of blessing to reach others and that others would even come and receive of the Lord and would seek his goodness and receive his grace into their lives. And therefore today, above all, may we be able to say, for all the Lord has done for me, I never will cease to praise him. May the Lord write his word upon our hearts this morning.